Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and this week we're discussing the new food safety documentary on Netflix called Poisoned. Fun, right? Don't worry, we're also talking about fair food, new restaurants, and why one Dallas restaurant owner doesn't want his customers smelling like weed. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food for information on our show and all the latest restaurant news. And don't forget to tell us what you think at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. You can also do us a huge favor and leave a five-star review for Eat Drink DFW on Apple Podcasts. We work hard, and Julie works even harder to edit us. <laughs> Later on in this episode, we're recapping a new documentary called Poisoned, which shines a light on some huge gaps in our food safety system. But first, we're catching up on restaurant news and general fun stuff with reporter Sarah Blaskovich and Imelda Garcia and our producer, Julie Fisk. Okay, Sarah, I know the biggest thing in the last couple of weeks was the State Fair Food Finalists. Yes, it's my favorite. Yeah, I'm excited too. Amelda, I'm very excited that when the state fair starts on September 29th and we go for our taste test, it will be Amelda's first year yes. joining Yay! us. Yes. yes, Julie's second year, Aaron's zillionth year. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, my zillionth year. We get together and we try all 10 new foods and drinks. And I say and drinks because there are nine new foods and one drink. These are like the prom king and queen, the leader of the musical, the football star, the cheerleaders all in one. These are the Big Tech's Choice Awards finalists. And so what are you most excited for us to taste? The best thing that I've tasted so far was called Deep Fried Cheesy Crab Tater Bites. Oh, wow. These are loaded tots with a Cajun queso on top. Okay. Little bit spicy with chunks of crab in it. So something I like about this dish, and I think you'll like this too, Erin, is the concessionaire Isaac Russo, who was one of the winningest concessionaires of the Big Tech's Choice Awards, because of the deep fried cheesy crab tater bites, he's going to open a New Orleans style, Cajun style booth. So where these loaded tots are sold, you can also find po'boys, muffaladas, shrimp and grits, and other stuff like that. So I'm a huge fan of New Orleans cooking, and there will be more of it than just this finalist. Are there any concerns about freshness with crab? It can go south real fast. This is a great question, Julie, and thankfully not my job to health inspect, but... Sure. I mean, they are held to pretty high standards when it comes to food safety. How do you keep all of these foods safe to sell in 24 days in very high temperatures? I don't know. And so what are some other ones we should try? I'm going to pick a couple highlights from the 10. Okay. We've talked about the loaded tots. Deep fried pho has been a talker. Now, you are wondering probably how you fry soup, and this is not fried liquid. This is the ingredients in pho wrapped in a tortilla and fried. So inside of a tortilla, almost like a burrito, you're going to have the noodles, the pork, some herbs, and some other stuff. Wrap it all up, fry it, and then they serve it with a side of pho broth Ooh, for a little good. dipper. That sounds good. There's an oxtail spring roll. 
and they've never had oxtail at the State Fair of Texas. I tried it. It's really good. And there's a cool story behind the people who created this. The dish is named Oxalent Soul Roll. It's a little bit of a food pun, friends. (laughs) And they were enrolled in something called the Big Tex Masterclass, which is for people who want to be a concessionaire. And they learn how to do this over the span of, I think, five to seven months And then they completed the class and were brought on as a concessionaire. So they kind of did this mentorship program to learn how to be a concessionaire because it's not easy to sell, you know, thousands of trays of food to people in 24 very sweaty days. And I like this oxtail dish because it comes from a family that's new to the fair and has sort of shown that they are dedicated to it. And what about the drink? I'm always curious about the drinks. I love that they add drinks to these because it kind of helps when you're eating all 10 of them in one day. Yes, Erin, I think that's a good take, but I will take the opposite, which is I think adding drinks is odd. I just want to put in a headline, fried foods, and that word doesn't work when nine of them are foods and one of them is a drink. Perhaps this is just a semantics problem for me, but the drink is really delicious, all that aside. It's called Trail Aid. It is a raspberry lemonade with some cucumber in it. So like really light and refreshing, has a little bit of sugar in it. The story behind the woman who created it, she's 89 years old. Her name is Miss Ruth Haunts. She created fried jello a couple of years ago. We have known her for years as one of the state fair concessionaires that's kind of famous. And she is the oldest concessionaire at the fair. Can we add some vodka on it? That is such a question that Julie should have asked. Julie, you're laying laying down on the job. Imelda, I would love to drink this as a cocktail with you. And I think it would be really good as a like a spritzy light summer cocktail. What about the sweets? There's a cheesecake with cookie butter dust on it. Yes. That's going to be interesting. The story behind this that I like is the man who created it swam in two Olympics. And then he decided, like you do, let's go into the cheesecake business. (laughs) There's Fernie's fried cherry pie in the sky. This is the family who created Fernie's deep fried peaches and cream. Fernie herself died a couple of years ago. She was the funnel cake queen at the State Fair of Texas and her daughters are still running their booth. So Fernie's fried cherry pie in the sky is a little tribute to a woman who had been around for a long time. And it is very simply fried pie. Why is it in the sky? It's in the sky because it rhymes with pie. (laughs) This is true. Because I said, are we remembering Miss Fernie? Because she died. And they said, actually, no. Although we do, they call her mother. We do remember mother every day. And I mean, like you get to talking to them about their mom and they'll cry on the spot. I mean, she is really a huge part of the fair and the matriarch of the family. So it's, it's a fried pie. It's a fried pie. You don't have to pluck it out of the sky. Can you do that? You can submit things to the fair that already exist. Oh, great question. Yeah. You can make up whatever you want to and submit it to the fair if you are already a concessionaire. So you, Julie, cannot fry a Band-Aid and try to tell the state fair that they should sell that because you're not a concessionaire. But it's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) It has not been done. It it hasn't been done. Thank God, because we do have to eat these, remember, guys? But no, you have to be a concessionaire for at least one year before you enter the Big Tech's Choice Awards. I think there's a misconception that anybody out there can fry whatever in their basement and decide that this could be part of this contest. The answer to that is no, because it is hard, like we've established, to serve food at the fair for 24 days straight. And just letting any person do it, even if they have a good idea, would be a losing business model for everyone involved. So one of the barriers to entry to becoming a finalist is the judges are looking for dishes that they've never seen before at the fair. It was explained to me, though, that these can be dishes that have existed elsewhere, If somebody else has fried something at another state fair or in another country, even, it's still interesting to the state fair of Texas. 
They also want to be culturally relevant and diverse. And so over the years, if you look at the lists, we started with stuff like fried Coke, fried coffee, fried butter. This year we have fried pho. And so they've never had a fried pie before or a fried cherry pie, I guess. I guess they've never had a fried cherry pie. Okay. The same family has fried peaches and cream and it was a huge seller and they do still sell it. But by this logic, I guess there hasn't been a fried cherry pie. Very cool. I really love to hear all of the stories behind the dishes and all the concessionaires. I mean, there are just so many wonderful, quirky stories like the Olympics guy. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Erin. It's one of my favorite things about the fair. You know, it's, it's not my job to like these people, but it's hard not to. So Imelda, you had a fun story this last week. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, this is about E-Bar Tex-Mex. The owner decided to put a sign in the door saying, you know what, if you smell like wheat, you are not going to be served. So the people went crazy on social media <laughs> because they were like, what are you talking about? I mean, when you get high, you are like very, very hungry. You want some nachos. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but for the people on social, that was like a bad business decision. Mm-hmm. But I went to talk to the owner, Ernie Kilantan, and he told me, you know what? There's no story there. I just want my customers not to be bothered by the smell of marijuana. What's the quote? Like, why does Ernie care so much? He just said, I don't care what people do at home, but there's a place and a time to do it. And here is neither the place nor the time. I mean, it's funny to me that he had to put a sign up because that means he was probably getting a lot of people coming in who smelled like weed. I feel like I smell it all the time now. I smell it on people all the time. And at the weirdest times, people will smell like weed at my gym. It's like, why did you get high before coming to the gym? I don't understand. And I'll admit, if I'm at a restaurant with my kids and someone is near us that just clearly hot boxed in the car, that bothers me. I do think it's funny that the owner says, if you want to do it at home, I don't care. I just want to guess that most of these people probably did do it at home. And then they got in their car and they came to the restaurant. They're like, dude, I am doing this at home. It's kind of along the lines of all of these dress code rules that have come up that are really confusing. Like it seems like restaurant owners are really trying to set some boundaries, but it seems to always backfire. Well, it also feels a little targeted at times. So very, very. Sarah, you had some new restaurant openings in the last week that were pretty big that you want to tell us about, right? Lots of new restaurants. I'm going to hit three And we could do this for weeks if we want to, because half of my job, it seems, is just talking about new restaurants. We're going to talk about Maison Chinois, Anchor Bar, and Black Tap. So first, Maison Chinois is a modern Chinese restaurant on Cole Avenue near Fitzhugh. This is an upscale Chinese restaurant that comes from an Italian guy, Alberto Lombardi, who owns Toulouse and Taverna and Bistro 31. Alberto has a lot of restaurants around town, and he just decided, what if we opened a Chinese restaurant? Could be problematic from a guy who's not lived in China and isn't Chinese. So he hired a chef from Hong Kong. There's another culinary director who is Italian like Alberto, but he lived in China for seven years. And so the two of them have come together and put together what I think is a really interesting modern Chinese menu. We do not have a lot of expensive Chinese food in this town. And so they think there's an opening there. At first, I was like, what do they mean by modern Chinese and upscale Chinese? But then I saw the photos that Juan took and they are just amazing. Like this place looks gorgeous and the food looks wonderful. Yeah, beautiful dining room. You're going to want a reservation. It's not going to be a budget conscious meal. Those were some sexy photos. That might be a birthday thing for my husband. For sure. And I think their Peking duck will be one of the big deals. They bring it up on a cart and they bring you these really thin, beautiful crepes 
with all kinds of fixins. So you basically make your own little plate. It's pretty cool. Like a Christmas story. Do you remember at the end when they brought the duck out? Yes. Yes. And ah. chopped off the head. It already comes with the head off. If yeah. Anyone yeah. Cares. yeah. <laughs> and what about Anchor Bar? Anchor Bar is a sushi bar with ice cold martinis, as they say, at Preston Royal. A second one will open in a couple of weeks on Knox Street. So we'll have two Anchor Sushi Bars. The idea here is that people will get rolls and maybe a little bit of crudo. And I thought those things were good. I have tried many dishes at the Anchor Bar at Preston Royal. However, the miso sea bass entree is the business. So this sea bass is marinated in four days with the miso plum paste on the outside. Then they bake it for nine or 10 minutes. The fruit in that paste caramel a little bit. So you've got sea bass that's lightly sugared on the outside and then it sits in white miso sauce. And I took a bite of this and I like almost didn't share, you know, (laughs) with anybody else. But then it, it turned into this thing where our photographer was there and I was like, you have to take a bite of this. Do you see how sweet that is? Do you see how there's like that light little crisp thing on the outside? I just like had a ball with this dish. So Anchor Sushi Bar is kind of like a adult bar where you go and get a drink and some snackies or you go for a full sushi meal, but you cannot miss this miso sea bass. Yeah, I need to eat that. You're going to love it, Julie. <laughs> Since you said you like sea bass, you got to go. Okay, so tell us about Black Tap because that sounds fun. Yes, Black Tap is in Victory Park. This is a craft burger joint with giant milkshakes and they have a couple of restaurants in New York City. There's one in Vegas. There's one in Disneyland. Most of the Black Tap burgers are international, actually, like Switzerland and Dubai and a bunch of other spots. But they're expanding more in the U.S. They just opened Nashville and Dallas opened last week. So just big, beautiful burgers and then like 15 to 20 dollar milkshakes with, you know, a slice of cake on top or sprinkles all over and a cookie. Like these are Instagrammable milkshakes with these big old burgers. And it is situated right near the American Airlines Center. Like you can almost see American Airlines Center Plaza from the front of this place. So I'm just picturing both out-of-towners and locals thinking, okay, I'm in Dallas. I guess I'm going to go get a burger and a big old milkshake, and then I'm going to go to the game. It feels right. The shakes, you can make alcoholic, right? You can. Although what's funny, I asked this question, there's so much going on in the shakes that they have a separate thing called a cake shot, and they have two flavors, which is like a much smaller quantity of liquid that's quite boozy and has some cake-like qualities in it, because you can take those milkshakes and add shots of alcohol to it, but because there's just so much in there. It's not a cocktail and it's not a milkshake at that point. It's somewhere in between. So their recommendation is get the big milkshake as is. Share it with your kid or don't share it with the whole table. They're that big. And if you want a dessert-like shot, they have those separate. Yeah. And I feel like that big of a milkshake with alcohol in it would just make you very sick later. It's a lot of sugar. Sugar and alcohol, bad mix. Yes. Up next, we're going to talk about the scary reality of food safety in the U.S. Speaking of bad mix. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. This past week, we all watched the new documentary on Netflix called Poisoned. Sounds scary, right? And yeah, it kind of is. It's about the food safety regulations in the U.S. and the many gaps that allow pathogens into our food a little too easily. 
The documentary primarily follows Bill Marler, who's a personal injury attorney and food safety advocate. And he's done work over the last 40 years helping victims of foodborne illnesses. He played a huge part in the E. coli outbreak where Jack in the Box basically killed several children with their undercooked burgers. So he's been representing victims of this for a really long time. And he's now campaigning to have more regulations in place that actually remove pathogens from our food supply. Because in Europe, they have chicken on the shelves that says like guaranteed pathogen free. Here in the U.S., we're kind of just supposed to accept it. Ever since I've been an adult and cooking, I basically assumed that my chicken had salmonella. You know, I didn't think that it was really optional. How scary, I know. For it to not have salmonella. So what did you guys think about this documentary? It scared the crap out of me. Yeah. I watched it with my kids and they were pretty shocked. I think like you, Aaron, we assume that... Yes, our food potentially could have this stuff. So we clean it and we take the precautions. But my teenage daughters who are cooking for themselves now were pretty horrified to know that salmonella is on chicken that regularly. Right. And when I told them, I'm like, well, that's why, you know, you cook it thoroughly. And they were like, well, how do you ensure it gets on your surfaces? It gets on your knives. How do you know that that's not spreading everywhere? And that's a good question. One of the most shocking scenes for me was when this woman is cutting the chicken and then she takes the faucet to clean her hands and then she touches again a knife or something and then she goes and touches her daughter and now she's contaminated too. It keeps contaminated things. I mean, we are doomed. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. And for me, it was like news that this E. coli thing can cause like deaths. When I heard about E. coli before this, I was always thought that maybe you will have like an upset stomach for a while, some diarrhea maybe, but no, you can't be killed by this. Oh God. Yeah. And it's a really horrible death after watching a lot of the clips of the kids who got sick. And the thing that freaked me out the most was not the E. coli in the burgers, which you can, I guess, cook out of it, but it was the E. coli on the produce. Yes. Because that you can't cook and you can't wash it off how the E. coli gets on the produce was really, really scary. And this is where they kind of get into the gaps in the regulation because there is no regulatory body. There's the USDA and the FDA, but there's no regulatory body actually regulating what happens on the farm. So a lot of the romaine lettuce and other produce was basically being irrigated with water that was contaminated from cow waste on a nearby feedlot. So there's no regulatory body that would go in there and be like, you can't do this or even check that there's E. coli in the water supply. And just the idea that you could be feeding fresh produce to your kids, thinking that you're doing the healthy thing for them Mm -hmm. and then they get sick. Yeah, it's really terrifying. This documentary, this is so awful. Like I couldn't finish it and I'm mad that I watched any of it. Sorry, really. Sorry, we asked I like knowledge is power. And so I think that a lot of people listening might learn something and make different choices. I'm just sorry I ever watched any of it. It was kids dying for the first 20 or 30 minutes. I have kids, those kids ages. Mm-hmm. And man, you need to know about that stuff. I need to know about that stuff. But it totally ruined my day. We were sitting down. My husband was cooking during all of it. Oh, no. Terrible idea. And so then we sat down to eat right at the chicken part. No. No. Yeah, right at the Purdue Farms. We didn't happen to be eating chicken. We were eating lamb. Also has a face. Kind of cute. Yeah, of course. Um, Chickens are kind of cute, too. They are. He made lamb kofta 
It was really delicious. But <laughs> we sit down and my sweet husband, he knows that I'm watching this for work and we've suffered, both of us, through yeah. the whole thing. Like neither of us are like, haven't you learned something? We're like, this is the worst day of our lives. Do you want to keep watching? <laughs> so we did keep watching and we, we probably took three or four bites and I was like, would you like to turn this off <laughs> and watch uh, Lincoln Lawyer, which is the second season of Lincoln Lawyer is out and we are really enjoying it. And he was like, oh my gosh, I thought you weren't going to ask. And so we turned it off and I said for the next two days, I was going to watch the last 30 minutes and I didn't. Yeah. This stuff is really important to talk about. I also think you need to be the right person in the right moment. This is truly the the worst thing I've watched in a really long time. Oh, wow. I'm sorry, Sarah. It's okay. I mean, it's, bad time. like I said, it is important. And I think people out there will like to learn whether their food is poison. But I mean, what I came away from that is your kids can die and you have no control. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, how do people sleep at night ever? Yeah. And I do think the last 15 minutes of it, because I, I was waiting. I was like, okay, so what's the solution? Whenever I see scary documentaries <laughs> I like didn't get this, to that part. <laughs> I know, I know. So I'm going to help you. Good. After they got to that part, the attorney, Bill Marler, they show him going to a diner and ordering a hamburger. And when they asked him, how would you like your burger cooked? He said to a 155 degrees. <laughs> he didn't say medium rare. He didn't say medium. He was like, you need to tell them 155 degrees. And if they're like, we don't have a thermometer, then you need to leave. So I think I'm going to start doing that. And he just does sort still of, eat burgers. Though. Yeah. So he still eats burgers. They asked everyone in the documentary, so what things do you never eat? Most people said no romaine. Now they did say, if you want romaine, don't buy the stuff in a bag, buy the other stuff, wash it yourself. I do think if you're buying from a local farm in Texas or you know where your produce is coming from, then that would feel a lot safer. But they really went after bagged lettuce. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of food safety experts before, and I even went on a tour of like an organic farm versus a conventional farm and learned about things. That sounds interesting. So basically, you want to minimize the amount of people who have touched your food. So this doesn't help at the farm level, but anything pre-cut or bagged, food safety experts have told us to avoid because that's someone else who has touched the food and opens up a door to contamination. You mentioned a place where you get your produce that you feel good about. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you want to source locally and really know where your stuff comes from, I order a lot from Profound Foods in Lucas, Texas, just a local family owned micro farm. They're sort of a hub and they source food from other farms. And now they actually deliver to your doorstep. And I really love it. And you know exactly where your food comes from. That delivery is awesome. Yeah, and I wanted to go back to what Imelda said. There was one part in the documentary where the microbiologist was going through all the touch points of contamination in your kitchen. You know, once you slice the chicken, now your knife is contaminated and your hands are contaminated. And then you touch the faucet and now that's contaminated. But then you wash your hands, but then you touch the faucet again. And now your hands contaminate again and then you touch your child's face which is what <laughs> happened in the documentary so I don't know if I'm you know hyper vigilant paranoid person but as I was watching that I was like no no why is she touching the faucet again <laughs> so I wash my hands 50 times while I'm cooking I would recommend getting touchless faucets the touchless hand soap or even using your elbow I do think that we've gotten much more conscious about 
cross-contamination since COVID. Right. I mean, I do, I think we're all cleaning our hands far more regularly than we did before. Do you remember parts of COVID when the suggestion was be sure you don't touch your face. And then we all became so aware of how often we touch our face. Cause when I heard that, I was like, I don't touch my face that much. And then it was like, you'd catch yourself doing it. I never knew those little bits until you're hypervigilant, like you're saying, Julie. Mm -hmm. And then it's terrifying. Then it's, we're all going to die. Yeah. Right. Yes. When we were like Cloroxing our Amazon boxes when they would deliver them. Yes. (laughs) Leaving the canned goods in the garage for a couple of days. Yes. When we were Cloroxing our Clorox. Yes. Yes. That was such a time. (laughs) Yep. Yes. But you are right, Julie. I think people have gotten more aware of those touch points of contamination since COVID. I think it's hard for big companies to be aware of all the contaminants, but authorities need to be like on top of it because did you saw the part of the peanut butter processing plant? That was really awful. I mean, there were rats, live rats there, a lot of bugs, and our kids are eating peanut butter. And we cannot control that. So that's a job for our authorities. They have to be on top of this. Yes. I had almost blocked that out from my memory, like when it (laughs) happened, because it was so horrible. And that CEO did actually go to federal prison. Yeah. Because he knowingly killed people, basically. And there was a whole paper trail of him not caring. So I do think that situations like this do change how things operate It'll be interesting to see if this spawns any changes Mm -hmm. because, I mean, Poison has been trending, I think, on Netflix in the top 10 for a while now. So will people be outraged? Will people stop buying certain foods because of this? Or will they tune it out? I mean, basically, I think what needs to happen is the changing in the regulations and more regulation, which is really hard to get in this country. And we really want to hear from our listeners on this. Have you watched the documentary Poisoned? And what steps do you take to keep your family safe in the kitchen? Please email us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you. So share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrink@dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.